Today's podcast, we got Julian Edelman, Super Bowl winner on trying to stay retired. We'll talk a little Brady as well, and also the Pat system and how it evolves. But I really wanted to get into some of the stuff that he likes from from other offenses that he's been able to kind of sit back and watch a year from move from playing. Uh, the open will be about quarterbacks that were taken in the first round and how likely it is when they flame out one place, how likely it is that they're successful somewhere else. I'm going to tell you right now that list is even shorter than I thought it would be and life advice. Enjoy. It's the Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. $5 doesn't get you what it used to get you. I asked for change the other day. The guy gave me back four. Introducing Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps. In your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. Ever heard of it? You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. You know that I love talking about the NFL quarterback position, trying to figure out different trends. I know that I've done the segment about first round picks over the last two decades being more than likely a 50% bust rate. I've done that segment numerous times, probably too many. Um, but what I did want to look at is kind of answering the Baker Mayfield question, and that is we have a first-round quarterback going to another team. How often is that quarterback successful at his next place? Uh, the results are horrifying. Uh, it's even worse. And actually, what I really did is I want to dig into kind of the last last 10 drafts over a different period. Like, it's too soon, some of the more recent drafts, to decide what we have as far as these quarterbacks and what their careers are going to be. So I focused on 2009 to 2018, but I ran the numbers from 2009 to 2017, the 25 first-round quarterbacks. If you throw in the 18 class, that's 30 first-round quarterbacks. That includes Baker, but we're still, you know, I guess TBD uh, with Baker, even if history tells us that we probably already have our answer for what he's going to be at the next franchise. Uh, we also have Mitch in Pittsburgh. We've got Mariota in Atlanta. Atlanta's likely going to be terrible, um, and Ritter's going to play at some point. Like Marcus Mariota starting all 17 games for Atlanta Falcons, there's like no way. I mean, is it an impossibility? No. Is it likely? No. Uh, bad teams eventually going to go to the young guy to see what you have. And with Mitch having uh, Pickett there in Pittsburgh as well, you know, it's not likely that Mitch Trubisky's going to be the guy end to end here for for the Steelers. It's just it's just not likely, right? So, as I've mentioned in the past, you know, the first rounders are basically a fifty fifty proposition for being a bust. If you look at the drafts from two thousand nine to two thousand seventeen, that's twenty five first round quarterbacks. You have four that you can say these guys were franchise guys. That Stafford, again, he changed teams after 12 years, so I'm not putting him in that group. He's, he's sort of like different, right? Stafford, Cam. Cam was a good quarterback for the Panthers, you know? Like he, he did what he needed to do as far as solving that franchise's problem at the position, even if I thought he was a little bit of a peak fluke year there 
um, when they made it to the Super Bowl. Andrew Luck, again, not even perfect there because he bounced too early because he got the shit kicked out of him. Uh, and then Mahomes, who clearly is that guy. Deshaun Watson would be in this group, but he's sort of in his own group that's a little bit more complicated. So it's really four out of the 25 franchise problem solvers, five if we include Watson, but he's not with that franchise anymore. So you can't really include him. Uh, then you've got this other group that just have no teams after they were done. Jake Locker had injuries with Tennessee, never started a game anywhere else. Christian Ponder was on a bunch of different rosters, but didn't necessarily make them all the time. Um, Blake Bortles, since Jacksonville took him, he's had two pass attempts with the LA Rams. Manziel never played for another team again. Uh, Paxton Lynch did not have a ton of interest uh, after his short stint there, getting a couple starts with Denver. So that's one, two, three, four, and five quarterbacks out of this group that were first rounders that had nothing going on. All right. So let's look at guys that were first round picks and then went to a new team and had some starts. Uh, Mark Sanchez, if you remember the Dick Enberg pronunciation, 62 starts to the Jets, 11 for everybody else. Josh Freeman, remember when Tampa had him? You're like, this guy's a horse. Two starts the rest of his career post Tampa. Tim Tebow, 14 starts with Denver. God, that number seems low. Uh, two with the Jets. Blaine Gabbert, this is actually a success story. 27 starts uh, at the beginning of his career, 21 with a handful of other teams. RG3, 35 starts with Washington, seven at post, post-Washington. Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. I'm going to put a little bold mark around Ryan Tannehill. 88 starts with Miami, which probably feels higher than we would remember it. 43 with Tennessee. His first two years were terrific statistically. Took a step back somewhat last year. But he, I'm telling you to remember this one because he seems to fall into his own category altogether. Brandon Whedon, 20 starts, then five. EJ Manuel, 17 starts with Buffalo, then one. Teddy Bridgewater, weird one, 28 starts with Minnesota, then 35 with Carolina, New Orleans, and Denver. Jameis, maybe in that Tannehill group, 70 starts with Tampa. Uh, he probably still would have been a starter there, even though he's a turnover machine. But once you get the option of bringing Brady, that's going to change your career path. He would have had more than seven starts in New Orleans if he had stayed healthy. And he's the number one guy on the depth chart with the Saints. So Jameis could be one of those rare guys that goes from a team as a top pick and then has a real career after that. Mariota, 61 starts in Tennessee, zero since. Jared Goff has 69 starts with the Rams, 14 with Detroit. He's going to be Detroit's guy, I guess, you know, for a little while. Uh, Carson went 68 starts with Philly, 17 with the Colts. They were good after one year. That doesn't tell you too much to get excited about. Mitch, 50 starts with Chicago, zero since. I guess that'll change. And then Sam Bradford, that was kind of like, I felt a little different too because the injury part of it. He had with St. Louis, 49 starts and 34 the rest of the way, Philly, uh, Minnesota as well. So some quick math on this. The group of 15 quarterbacks that were not the franchise problem solvers not the guys that never, ever got to touch a football again professionally for money. The group of 15 that were first-rounders that started and then never played again, Here's here are the averages. This group averaged 48 starts with the team that drafted them. They averaged 13 starts for the next teams that they played with. So the point of this is, is that Tannehill is actually an anomaly. Tannehill is somebody that started almost 90 games with the team that drafted him and then went on to have a more statistically successful run, but actually be the guy in Tennessee. 
Jameis has that chance with New Orleans. Wentz, I don't know what to do with. Goff is kind of weird because it was like he wanted, they wanted to upgrade from him and Stafford wanted out. So I guess Goff could be in this. So if I'm being nice, if I'm being the most lenient with this study, it's that you have three guys out of that group that moved on to another team out of 15 over a nine-year draft span that actually had somewhat of a starting career. And we only have one year with Goff, one year with Jameis. And honestly, Tannehill's like the gold standard of all of this. I guess you could say Bradford a little, but it was just kind of weird with all the injuries. And then he was basically on a different team every single year after he was with the St. Louis Rams. Those numbers are not very good. Now, why does this happen? Um, Interesting quote that I got from a friend of mine who covers football, and I don't know that he shared it, so I'm not going to name who the quarterback was or who it was that shared it with me, but he was talking about a quarterback in this year's upcoming class in 2023. And the guy said, hey, I have a second round grade on him. And then the guy from the football team said, well, if you have a second round grade, that means he's a first rounder because that's the way it works now. So does it mean now we have even a higher bust rate than 50-50 based on just this last 10-year stretch that I haven't used you know, the most recent guys in 21 and 20 and then 18, 19? Although it's already, it's already you know, leaning towards, hey, they're half your bust right there as we look at those picks in the first round. Um, so could it be that now the evaluation is stretched where teams are knowingly taking lesser prospects earlier than ever before. It didn't happen in this year's draft class. And that's why we have maybe an even higher bust rate and why these guys aren't working out when they go into their second team. Um, There's also another part of this that's very much human nature, and it happens, I I think, outside of sports, but definitely all the time in sports. It's a little bit like the NBA lottery pick, where if 24 to 30 months previously, you were evaluating a player saying, this guy's a lottery pick, we have him seventh on our board, then he flames out somewhere else. You're like, well, those guys are stupid. It's that coaching staff. They're dumb. So the same thing happens with quarterbacks. You evaluate all the draft picks. You might have needed a quarterback. You end up not taking him. He goes somewhere else. You're like, that coach stinks. They don't know how to develop anybody. The play calling's terrible. They didn't have an offensive line. We're going to bring him in. And then you're like, oh, wait, this guy just does suck. It, it wasn't them. And it's not us. Uh, and then, of course, you have the other approach that you've heard from teams. And I think the Jets are doing this right now. I, it's way too early for me to just sit in there saying, hey, Zach Wilson is going to suck. Hasn't been a great start, but unfair to say those things. Where the team goes, all right, after two years, maybe in year three, if you think you're you don't really have it, even though you spent some some high high picks, a lot of resources on bringing in a new quarterback, you just keep drafting them. Just keep drafting them until you get the one. So what I'm suggesting here is that it's getting even harder. The numbers are getting even worse. And then if you add in the Baker group from that class, Lamar's been terrific, Allen has been terrific, Darnold bust. Rosen, massive bust. And now you're looking at Baker Mayfield on a new team. You want the final number that's probably the scariest out of all of this stuff is if you go Stafford, Cam, Luck, Mahomes. Let's throw in Lamar. Let's throw in Josh Allen. Deshaun, again, would have been seven, but I don't think you can put him in that group now. So if you go from nine, 2009 to 2018, that's six out of 30 quarterbacks that solved your problem as first-round picks. Have fun with that. And what I would tell any fan base, not even the Panthers, is I would say this. Instead of saying, hey, I always kind of like that guy. When you get him, you're probably better off wondering why you ever did. Kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. So, $150 in free bets. Um, I was looking at the public money, and a good chunk of the over-under stuff uh, was the public money 
on Atlanta's win total. Atlanta's win total is four and a half. They're going to be bad. But with the extra game and four and a half, I like the over just because of the way that sport works, where every week you're like, hey, this team is better than that team. And then something stupid happens. You don't think you can get five wins out of 17 games with an NFL team? Uh, Yes, I understand the rest of the division is strong at the top. Not so much with Carolina. Uh, But four and a half. So $150 in free bets, FanDuel, over four and a half, the Atlanta Falcons. Play your way and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older in selected states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Indiana. Illinois, New Jersey, PA, Virginia, or 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK, 467-369-NEW YORK. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789-TENNESSEE or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET, West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Julian Edelman joins us, Super Bowl champ. Uh, he's got a new podcast coming out, too, as well, Games with Names with Sam Morrill. So I'll uh, make sure we'll ask him about that at the end because I know there's one game in particular he's probably going to want to focus on. All right, so uh, I saw the video from Salt Lake. You were at UFC 278. I was home on the couch watching it. I know we're both Rockhold fans. Um, I want to start there. It's probably This is such a loser way to approach it, and it's not the way a Super Bowl champ would look at it. It might be my favorite loss of anybody I've ever rooted for. I'd have to agree. Gutsy performance. Uh, that 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 fight, and I don't know where he's going to go from there. I haven't really talked to him about his future, but you know, if it, if it was one of his last fights, if he didn't win, that would be the way to go out. You know, just guy breaks his ribs, breaks his nose right away, gets through it. Rocks him a few times, and I don't know if it was the altitude or something, but he was a little, he was a little too gassed to to just finish it off because he knocked him down. He he hit him with that step back left hook twice, and I thought he was gonna, I thought it was gonna go, but you know it was it was awesome to be there. I was there to support my guy, and and uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm bummed he couldn't get it done, but I'm super proud of of the hard work and the growth he got out of last year and, and getting ready for that fight because you know anytime you're out of something for he was out of it for three years anytime you're out of anything at the highest level for for six months it's a grind to get back and uh you know he he, he went out there and he showed everyone who he was all Crazy. right this is this is a, yeah, this is a good transition julie because you know you 
have been out now for a year going into your second year being out. I know I was reading the quotes from the other day where you were like, you know, I'm going to put myself through some workouts, just sort of see what's out. I think there's a difference between that first off season, like that first time you're like, man, this is such a nice breather to then being like, yeah, I think I kind of miss it a little bit. So how different is this lead up for you thinking you're still retired as opposed to probably the break from finally shutting it down after all the years of playing ball? I mean, it's completely different. That first year you're out, you still have, I mean, I, I retired because of an acute injury, you know, my, my knee, like I, I tore the root of my meniscus. So like I was dealing with all that and like getting through practice. And if that's a grind, football ain't fun when you're hurting, you know what I mean? Especially when, when you're going to be, you're going to be getting other things here left and right. But when you go into a game at 70%, 65 and you got to get through a game and be productive and, and go out and produce like you have been, you know, it's, it's tough and it, it, and it hurts you as an athlete psychologically. Like you sit there and, and you're, you're like, I, that was such an easy movement to me, like literally a year ago or two years ago. And then, you know, so that's what I was dealing with, with my first year out that, that real fresh, uh, terrible feeling of of getting through a season now that i got a year under my belt my body's kind of calcified my body's feeling decent now you sit there and you're like you know you go out and play like little pickleball or, or you shoot hoops and you're like man my knee feels kind of good i feel kind of good right now and i'm not compounding my body or, or my legs with the load that i'm i'm usually doing when you're playing professionally but you know you, you do get a little curious if you know what i mean so how curious are you then? Well, I'm about to go to the gym right now, so we'll see after this this workout. But yeah, th- there'd have to be a lot of, lot of things to happen for me to to go out and, and really consider something like that. Uh, you know, it's it's not just a all right, let's put the cleats on and and go to the grass and and practice. Like there's a whole a whole leading up to getting ready for an NFL football season, especially when you're at the age of 36. And you missed a year and you haven't been, you know, putting that compound load on your legs like you're used to doing. So, you know, I'd have to evaluate some things, uh, but the curiosity is there. I just don't know the percentage. Okay. So then what are the workouts like? Are you doing specific football workouts as if you were getting ready for the season? Are you working with a trainer? Like how intense is this? I mean, I go to, I go to Churchill. I do a lot of boxing training and then I've also... You know, I probably run probably six times, eight times a month, twice a week, one and a half times a week on average. Uh, and and I do do some kind of football specific, explosive ballistic type training. As far as you know, they have this thing called the Exergenie. It's a uh, it's a um, a rope pulley system. It helps with you know your get off and your take off and your explosion. And I like that because ultimately. You know, that's when I always get my cutest. You know, you always you always get in your best shape when you do sprints. So I, I do that naturally now. Uh, and 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 all that, that's what I also evaluate. Like my knee doesn't feel bad. It doesn't blow up on me, you know. But, you know, so those are the exercises I'm doing. And uh, I'll continue to do until I can't. So part of it, though, isn't just the cuts and the breaks. You want to be hot. Like this is, this is about the aesthetic part of your next step too. Like if that's the, you know, if part of the byproduct is just looking awesome, then we're good to go. I mean, you're a PMT listener. I mean, I'm, I'm like two time thirst trap winner of the fucking, the, the, the tankies. I mean, I got something to live up to. 
These are high standards we live by. It's all fair. This is all fair. I, I do want to ask you then, going back to that last year, I mean, was it tough to watch film of yourself that last year? Atrocious. That's honestly why I retired. <laughs> when you start looking old, like, and it's not even not just the games, it's the take, it's like, it's the practices, the body language. I mean, I wanted to throw up. That's why, I, I mean, that's why I had to retire. Because you always look, when you're, when you're a younger player and, and you, like, I remember you play a couple guys and, and they're in their, their absolute prime when you're still trying to figure things out. And, and then you figure things out and, and it's like four or five years later and that guy that you still are battling who's a badass dude has diminished. That's blood in the water. I'm going to embarrass him every time. I'm going to try to light him up because I remember how hard it was and how he used to embarrass me. And I had a whole lot of those out there. So, you know, it, the blood was in the water. Guys were going to come after me. I had to get out. I remember one of my favorite ones ever. You know, I get to know Darren Woodson pretty well. Safety legend with the Dallas Cowboys. And yeah. I was like, when did you know you were done? He was like, we were watching film. And I was like, who is that? Get off the like, who is that? And they were like, dude. And he was like, oh my God. Like, it took him a second to realize it was him. And he was like, that was it. He goes, I could, I was so embarrassed watching myself. And he's like, on, on the field, I had no idea it was that bad. It's, I mean, it's true. You know, you, then you go do drills that were like remedial drills just to get you warmed up. And that's all filmed. And then you watch it, you watch these things. You're like, man, there's no pop. Like, where's the explosion out? Can't get over my, my knees over my shoulders. Oh, that's disgusting. That guy almost covered me. That should never happen. Like those types of things were going through my mind. I'm like, I, this is like, I love the game too much. And I have that taste of, you know, at the high level, when you feel that and you taste that and you worked all your life to get there and stay there, you know what? And, and once you see it go, you're like, yeah, this ain't me. This, that's, I can't do that. So when you look at, you know, I, I see you got the Brady hat on, by the way. Is there a discount code that you could share with us for that? Or is that all, is that just friends and family? I think it's friends and family. Okay. I think it's, all right. I think it's friends and family. Uh, I don't have a promo code. Uh, hopefully he does hear this because he hasn't returned my, my text messages in a while and I'm giving him free publicity. That's why I did it. That's why I honestly did it. I heard this is like, you got like top five potty in sport world. This is going to get some, you know, some unearned media. And I'm, I'm over here. I got perfect hydration. I said, Tom, why don't I throw you on there too, dude? Yeah, see, I feel like you've done enough with Brady that if your your texts are ignored, you shouldn't feel the same way the rest of us do. Because like, I have a rule that if the guy's clearly way more famous and more successful than me, if I text him twice without any response, then it's on him. You know, I learned that rule from Van Pelt. Like, if the other guy has more juice than you do, and it goes to you go zero for two on two text inquiries, then you just gotta hang out until he hits you back up later on. But I would think that you and Brady are a little like I would think you're beyond you know worrying about what your ratio is on the text responses. Nah, yeah, I honestly don't. I don't hit him up. I know I was just messing around, but uh, I would like him to come on the podcast. I have I haven't I haven't uh, got brave enough to ask him yet I, I get i still get scared to ask him to do anything even though i'll do like 14 15 things of his on all his brands this that but uh you know i, I don't like it i don't that's the worst part of when you're out of the league is actually like now i have other shit i got the production company we got the podcast games with names 
And now you got to go ask people for things. And I remember being asked for these things. And you're like, dude, it's not the time right now. So like, it's so hard. I don't like, I don't want to bother the guys that are still in the league because I know what they're going through. They already got their family that they're probably negating because it's football season. They got other things. They got off the field things. Like let, let them do that when they want to hit, hit you up. They'll hit you up. It's like a bird. You know, you let the bird fly. You, you let them out of the cage. They'll come back. They'll come back. I'm telling you right now, you're going to lose that. <laughs> you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure out. Now, you don't want to be annoying about it, but to never ask isn't, isn't doing anyone any good. And I think if anybody's your friend, you go one time, Hey, dude, I get it. You get a million asks. I'm starting this thing anyway down the line. And then you know what you do is you don't ask for tomorrow. You ask for, for months. And then it's a couple months later and the guy, cause everybody says yes to like the layaway plan. They just go, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll do that in a couple months. No problem, Jules. You're my guy. And then it's next thing you know, it's October. And they'd already said yes in August. So I, I think we got to get you a little bit more aggressive in everything else you do. I don't, I don't doubt that you can do this as well. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, it's a learning experience, but um, I'm coachable. So I appreciate that. All right. Well, there you go. Um, can you give me a, a sense of, you know, you were so good when we talked last year about the Patriot part. And I, I do want to start there. I want to just do all New England for the next 15 minutes here. But when you see like your installs had to be totally different because we're talking about dealing with Brady, you know, where other teams are are figuring what they can get away with and all their stuff. Like how different of a transition is that? Do you think for a coaching staff and Belichick overseeing something where he probably didn't have to worry about going too fast for anybody? And now with a completely different offensive regime, trying to figure out like the best way to balance being tougher to defend, but also making sure he's not overwhelming a second year guy. I mean, I think that that not just has to do with your quarterback, but that has to do with the whole room. Uh, you know, as as a as a whole, when when you have a bunch of veteran guys that have been in a system for a while, you know, you you can compound new things and you can be a game plan team. But when you have a young team and you have a, a you know a new play caller or, or guys that aren't in that comfortable in that situation or not used to doing that situation, it's it's you have to simplify it because you guys have to learn each other. Everyone's got to learn each other. And and we had to have similar parts of that later in my career because we kind of evolved to, you know, what the college s- schools are doing now with these one word, tell everyone what to do kind of NASCAR terms, which is playing fast. So like I even had to learn, you know, later in my pr- my career, you know, that zero out slot is now south or whatever example like they they change things constantly so it is tough for even older players that are in evolving systems but when you're starting from ground zero with a a rookie quarterback you know that that's that's really tough especially going into another year with with the patriot situation as they have right now going into year two uh of a, a quarterback that had a solid first year uh has a lot to to work on but now you have to go work with the completely new play caller. He was just getting comfortable and familiar with how Josh liked to play call. And, and Josh was getting comfortable with how he likes to, the plays being called. That relationship is like, is huge. That quarterback play caller relationship. I mean, that's ultimately where it all starts. Um, I don't know if I answered your question by any means. I got off track. I got, I got, I got, I got off track in asking it. 
but you actually answered it really well for a poorly formed question. Because I'm just always, as an outsider, I'm very interested in, you know, granted, I watch all these games, right? We already know this from the area, the whole deal. And I was always so impressed with Belichick and the entire staff. And granted, Brady's part of this too, of the adaptability week to week, which we've already talked about. Like, hey, this week we're going to be this kind of team, but next week we're going to be this kind of team. And most teams can't do that because they either don't trust the players to do it or, they, you know what I mean? Or they, they don't want to change what they, you know, sometimes coaches can be so stubborn. They don't want to change their identity. Like we always have to be this and that can lead to predictability. And that's what I always thought was so impressive, whether it was a system uh, for the season, whether it was week to week stuff. But I guess I'd also like to know, like how much, how often did you feel like even with you and Brady on the same page for all those years where you were like, wow, we're going to try this or we're, we're going to start doing some of these things or we're going to tease this in the first quarter leading to this? Like how, how much did you feel challenged in an offense that always felt like it was something everybody could trust? I mean, there was playing moments where, where, you know, we would look at each other like, why are we running this and why are we, or why are we doing this? You know, and that and that just—that's normal, though, if for anybody, right? Yeah, it's normal, and and that's because you know, coaches—they're they're over here. Sometimes coaches try to like overcoach, like overthink. They they think about every situation. They think about every, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's it's like you're over prepared or you overdo something, or you know, sometimes when when that would happen, you know, Bill would always just say like, "Well, we only need like five or six plays." You run those five or six plays really well. Like, they're for every look you're going to get, you should be all right. And, and that's kind of how I always liked it. The faster you play, the less you have in. Uh, you know, that's, that's, the, that's when guys can play fast. They're not thinking about, well, what, what fucking, what, what's the personnel group? Oh, it's Army. Oh, so that makes me the F. All right, now zero sloppy. And, you know, so that there's a lot of the communication of all this stuff and the complexity sometimes is a downfall for a lot of these teams, you know, and then you look at, and then you look at some other teams, like I look at some team, I'm like, man, they're just running these basic concepts, you know, and, and they're lighting it up. And, and if you watch it throughout the whole season, I mean, they pretty much do what they do. A lot of these coaches, they, they're going to do what they do well. And, and, and that's what it is. And then, you know, they have the tendency breakers of all these other plays. So who did you watch this first year really get a chance to sit back where you're like, man, I really like what that team does on offense? I mean, everyone's going to say the Rams. I mean, like everyone's going to, I mean, McVay's, what is it? What, what is it about McVay that you see that we don't see? I mean, he, he dresses a lot of things up. He runs, he runs like eight, he runs a lot of the same plays but he changes up personnel groups, formations, and that, that gets defenses to like lose guys. And then you'll see Cooper cup wide open down the field because he's not playing in his traditional spot. He's playing in another spot and he knows all the positions and all the other guys know all the positions. So everyone's playing everywhere. And that's hard for a defense to like, really, all right, they got to like call out, all right, where's this guy? All right, that guy's right there when guys are constantly moving. So I like that. Um, the spacing that they get, in their routes, uh, paired with a lot of the play action game, they weren't. They kind of got away from it, and then they got back to it. I, I like I like those play action games because you can marry a lot of your blocking into your route running, which I always love. Um, you know, so I, I thought that I thought they were good. That's the that's the one team that you're always going to say, you know, they kind of have a plan, like 
for everything instead of just going out and calling plays on, you know, all right, third and three or third and whatever, we're going to just run four verticals, which you see from coach, you see from teams, you know, it's the same play. All right, it's four verticals. There's like no methodicalness about like how we're going to call this play. I think they have a plan every time they go into a drive. Uh, so I, I like the way McVay calls plays and, and those guys are doing. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, he's in that same kind of world. And these are coaches that I, I don't know these systems. I don't know the West Coast system. I know like the Charlie Weiss system and, and the McDaniels O'Brien system, which is completely different. There's like three systems that are in the NFL. There's the West Coast. There's that other system that we're in. I don't know who started it. I think Charlie Weiss was one of the pioneers of it. And then it, every coach after got evolved and added their, their twist to it. And there's this number system. So, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. I, it'd be pretty cool to see, you know, McVay and, and how his play calling has evolved. Cause you know, it really came from the West coast system back with Bill Walsh. I was a huge Bill Walsh fan. And then, you know, it goes to each one of these coaches, the home grins and then like the Andy reads, and then they spit out a couple coaches and, yeah, you know, it'd be pretty cool to see those guys and really get an in-depth look, like in a in a meeting or or at a practice with how they they do their their stuff. So, if you're a Raiders fan, you know you're listening to this. Then, what could you expect from a McDaniel system once he really gets this thing implemented? What is it? I think what he does is he's gonna he's gonna use the players he has. He's gonna use their strengths to the best that they can. And you know, I was just at their practice yesterday with. Uh, the Patriots over in Vegas, the joint practice, and 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 they look really good. I mean, they got a lot of playmakers. Uh, I think with Derek Carr, I think I think McDaniel's is going to be. They're going to have a really good relationship. It already looks like that. I saw some catches by Devontae Adams that I don't know why the Green Packers let him go. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro has his niche. He's just. I think they got a lot of playmakers, I and mean, I didn't even get to see Darren Waller, which I was excited to see how he was going to be because playing with Gronk for so long, you know what a tight end looks like when he's a badass dude. I wanted to see him really bad, but he wasn't out there. I think he's got a hammy or something. But, you know, I think I think Josh is – he's going to use all the players on that offense. He's going to use all their strengths, and they're going to have a great plan. And they, and they have great players that complement each other well. You know, you got Devontae, who, who they can move him around anywhere, but he, you could just throw him at at, at an X. And just say, all right, it's one along with him. And if they take him out, then you're going to have Hunter Renfro in that intermediate game along with Waller. I mean, they got a lot of playmakers over there. It's just we'll see if their line can 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 hold up. And then Jacobs, the kid, the running back. If they keep him, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with that. They just got rid of Drake. They're probably going to run off that play action as well. I mean, depending on how that division is is built up, I mean, if you look at all those defensive lines, they're all built for passing teams. So if they're zigging, they, he could zag. I, I don't know if he's going to go that route because um, they can run the football with that running back. He's really good. Yeah, so, I mean, Josh, I think over the years, and you would attest to this, that he's he's one of the few guys that like won't give up on the run. Like he he doesn't give up on it, and it is kind of that zag now. You know, I'm not talking specifically that Buffalo game that was so weird during the regular season. The first time New England and Buffalo met up, I actually felt like Buffalo should have let Josh pass a little bit more, but they just didn't want to let Allen throw the football. Um, but that's the, something about McDaniels that I, I think, you know, again, if you've watched it long enough, he'll come at you with like a run-heavy scheme just to screw you up for a little while and, and see, if, see if you're paying attention, see if you're ready for it. 
I mean, and you got to look at it. Does that that was the strength of that team last year? Yeah. I mean, as far as they got a they got a young young quarterback with with Mac and, and yeah yeah they were letting the training wheels off eventually they were they were working them in but you know the the best thing for a young quarterback or a new quarterback is a run game. I don't think they're going to have that simple of an offense this year because they've got a veteran type quarterback in Derek Carr. You know this guy. He is we he is what he is. We all know he is what he is. But it's going to be interesting to see him with Josh because you know he was they were getting there with with Gruden and 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 that whole regime like they were close a couple times. They flirted with it last year with the adverse situations they overcame. You know it'll be good to see how these two work together. I'm really interested to see how 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 they evolve going in into the year. Is there a quarterback? we got a couple more things here, and then I, I want to ask you about the first episode of the podcast here uh, before we finish. But is there a quarterback that maybe you feel like the public is wrong about, whether it's, hey, you know, Baker actually is good or Tua is actually good or some of these other guys that feel like they're constantly criticized on the shows uh, where when you've watched it, you're like, you know what, there's actually something here. I, I mean... Give me some names out there. Brush up my memory. Who else? What, what are some other other headlines? Who, you know, like Dak feels like there's a wide gap on like what people think Dak of of Dak Prescott. Basically, I'm just wondering if there's somebody that you feel like is is criticized too much. But again, the depth of the quarterback position feels like it's pretty deep right now. You know, Cousins is like a middle of the pack guy. Garoppolo's kind of like a middle of the pack guy. Is going to lose a starting gig apparently. <laughs> think jimmy g gets gets hated on a lot and and, and you know there's some headlines out what i said about him a, a couple weeks back on uh, or a few months back on that all the smoke show but as much as you want to say anything whether how he's performed or not he's brought a team to the super bowl and an nfc championship and he's won you know an incredible amount i don't know what that is there's some guys that just win but I think he gets hated on a lot because I have a lot of Niners friends. I'm a Niner. I grew up a Niners fan, and they're all like off with Jimmy's head. We want Trey Lance. I'm like, well, the grass ain't always greener, you know. Like this, this is going to be a whole process when you bring in a young quarterback that I think he's like 21 years old. Like he's went to a one double A. This guy doesn't know what real football is quite yet. Like there are guys that can make that jump, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but it ain't like everyone can do it. And Jimmy G, you guys were already in a decent situation where you got a guy that kind of managed the game. Yeah, he lost a couple games, but I always believed that there was that one time that Jimmy was going to flip it. He never did. He kind of made me look like an idiot. But I think he gets, uh, I think he gets hated on a lot for you know what he's done in this league. I don't care about the teams. I don't care about who he had around him. You know, we've seen a lot of teams not go to Super Bowls with you know really good quarterbacks and really good offenses. And really good every, like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't been to the Super Bowl in 10 years. Jimmy G went to the Super Bowl. Went to an NF and beat them over there. To, you know what I mean? I know. I still, I still cannot believe the results of that game last year. Um, before the pre-workout wears off, because we know you're going to run in there, um, <laughs> give, us, give us a little teaser here on what the first episode is with Sam of the new podcast. So Games with Names, presented by WinBet, is a podcast we came up with 
uh, a few months back, we partnered up with Sam Morell, a funny-ass guy from New York, built-in conflict. This guy obviously loves every New York team. You know, me being in Boston for 12 years, growing up in Boston really as an adult, I become, I became kind of Bostonian-ish. I pretty much loved all the teams there. We got a close-knit professional teams. Everyone kind of knows each other, so that's that's pretty fun. And and we're we're going to be breaking down the 18-1 game with with Teddy Bruschi and and Eli Manning. I believe it's Teddy's Bruschi's first time going on talking about a loss of of any sort, especially this game. So it, it's kind of good. It's it's really cool and fun. To hear both perspectives, uh, to talk to Eli Manning, even though he's my my, my he's my first favorite Manning. Uh, you know, I don't I, I like him better. I like Peyton because he knocked us out of AFC championships, and I wasn't quite like a, a really good Patriot at the time that he beat us in the Super Bowl. I think I had like two plays in that game, so like I didn't have a real hatred for him quite yet. Yes, I wanted to have that Super Bowl, but like I wasn't like in it yet. So I actually kind of like Eli. So it's it's fun to have him on the the podcast and and go over this this crazy game, eight, the eighteen and one, the 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 Patriots losing 07 to the Giants, and hearing about that year through both their uh, eyes. So it's fun. We go in, we talk pop culture around these games times. We go and talk about you know what was going on in our lives. And it's just kind of conversational shit talking about between a New York guy and a, and a Boston Bay area guy. Uh, and then we bring in other people to, do, to join. So it's, it's actually been pretty fun. It's been really fun. And I hope people that listen, you know, they, they feel the, the fun that it, it kind of shines off because it's genuinely, we're having fun. Well, I'm in. As soon as you said Bruski, Bruski's one of my favorite guys. Uh, it was it was awesome getting to know him at ESPN, and I used to love having him come in. And then he would come in and tell stories. I remember we had Bruski with Saturday do the same couple segments together, going back and forth on that ridiculous Peyton comeback uh, in Indy, which probably cost the Pats another ring because they would have beaten the Bears. Um, but anyway, that was 06, 24 to seven at halftime or something. Yeah, twenty one to seven. We watched that so many times, even though I wasn't on that team. Like for like four minute offense and like two minute offense, like you know, and every time Bill would put that on, he just fucking you could just hear his teeth grinding. It was gnarly. <laughs> so funny. He always he'll bring in all these like old ass videos, these old ass clips of like how a defensive end should, you know, take on the YY wing, and he'll show LT blowing it up. He's like, this is how you do it, you know. Like, it's, you know, just the best player of all time at the position. But yeah, love it. Yeah, Andre, just go do what Lawrence Taylor did. No, yeah. no problem. Uh, hey, Jules, thanks a lot, man. Good luck on the pod. Games and names uh, with Sam Morell out now. You can check that one, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, all right, bro. I'll see you, man. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra. An appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food Buddies. 
Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, that means real experts are checking your sneakers every stitch down to the sole. They'll even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guarantee. Visit ebay.com for terms. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Um, we had a lot of follow-ups to the guy talking about Ian Ravaport. Uh, <laughs> and even the guy that talked to Ian Ravaport followed up with us and sent us his demo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I respect. I'm not going to watch it. But, no. <laughs> I guess we probably could watch it. I would love to watch it. You yeah, want to watch it? All right. I guess yeah. we'll all watch it together. Um, but somebody definitely said in the right, and I kind of knew this when I was reading it. They're like, the absolute power move in all of this was hoping it's going to get back to Rappaport. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That it, because it was on the pod, that eventually it will work its way. Here's the thing. It, it's, it's more likely than it isn't that somebody will bring up to Rappaport, like, hey, did you hear these guys talking about this dude who set you up with your lighting three days and was apparently fucking amazing <laughs> at it? Um, Rappaport already met the guy. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what this story on the podcast will mean. And like we try to reiterate multiple times when we talked about it is like, there's only so much a person can do for the other person. Yeah. And my guess would be whatever this guy wants to be and, and all this yeah, other but now stuff. Now there's peer pressure. Peer pressure is a very powerful thing. And if people are hitting up Rappaport and the dudes are like, hey, you're on the pod. Like, you got to help this guy out. He's trying to live out his dream. <laughs> it's a it's a solid play you never know um there was another guy that said that the the guy who sent in the question how we should handle this there, there was a lot of lot of uh people jumping in here and and one guy and again he didn't have all the information so it's unfair to the follow-up email but he was like this guy should be like the dude who's known if he's so good at setting people up with their light three days a week um he should he should just get the word out. Rappaport should spread the word like, hey, if you're ever in this part of the country and you need your lighting set up, you know, three out of seven days, this is your guy. And I'm just telling you this part of the country, nobody else is going there. I, I, as I, say, I looked it up yesterday because uh, <laughs> you said his wife was from there. And I was like, yeah. right, where, where are we talking about? It's not it's not a frequent flyer place. <laughs> people no. I don't think people no. are dropping in <laughs> that particular market too often. <laughs> yeah. So um, good thought. Not fair to one of the follow-up community guys here because he just didn't know. He didn't know. You know, if it were Boston or something like this, and Rappaport's yeah. like, I got a guy. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. And he's going to be real. He's going to be, you're going to hit it off with him. It's going to be amazing. And then, you know, he may follow up in six months, hoping to build out that Rolodex of contacts. Uh, what are we doing today, Kyle, with the hat and the t-shirt? Because I've noticed there seems to be a theme going on with you today. Well, um, Titus gave me this hat the last time I saw him and I was like, I don't think I'll ever wear this out, but I was like, the least I could do is wear it on the podcast. He, I think he ordered it online. I don't think he got it in his travels, but I think it says 
let me get a pack of reds and $10 on pub six. I just didn't know what I'm going to do with it. (laughs) I saw him like a week ago. He's like, I got you a gift. And uh, I don't know. It's really good on you. Thanks. I don't have many trucker hats, but I figured this was like the one chance to wear it out. He was uh, he was in Missoula last night, right? He was just having beers at some dive bar, some Coors Light, some cold ones, CLs. Yeah. And then he had a Coors Light Grateful Dead hat on to go along with his his absolutely registered neighbor look that he has going on. <laughs> yeah, the mustache is a lot. It's a lot. I don't know. <laughs> it was it was a lot. Neighbor. He's loving yeah. everything about himself <laughs> these days, so I'm not going to say anything, but he's loving all the choices he's making these days, so I'll just... I loved friend. it all. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny that you guys are convinced I never want to hang out with you too. Cause he'll be like, Hey, I'm actually in Manhattan beach this weekend or whatever. And then I was like, well, here, here's a guy you should hit up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he was nice. like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Nice. He's like, I'm telling you I'm coming to your town and you immediately pawned me off to some mutual. I was like, no, this is the guy that you're going to want to hang out with and just hit him up and, you know, buckle up. And uh, he was like, no, like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in France. I'm not. I'm well, home. You should hang out with him more. You might get some hats out of him. I love the Coors Light hat. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it looked great. I'll pass it along. Do we, do we have anything else to add to this or should we just kind of get rolling to some of the emails? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks let's do noticing. a gym one. Let's do a gym one. Uh, live and work out in a large city where the gym is usually packed from 5 a.m. to 7 p. Wow. Rough. Five nine. 190, 295 on the bench. A little muscular to the beer gut. Look, if you're 190, throwing up 295, that's great. But when you say 295, it makes me wonder why isn't it 300? Hmm. So is it really 295? You know? I wouldn't tell anybody I was 295 until I was 300. But again, 300 is a weird way to get to with the way the plates work. That's, you know, whatever. You'd be pissed about it, use it. I respectfully uh, waited for the squat rack, messed around with some machines, and as soon as it popped open, I scooped it up. As soon as I get done with my first set, some dude stops me, taps me on the shoulder, and asks, hey, can you come find me when you're done? I'll be by the bench presser dumbbells. Already annoyed that he stopped me to ask this, I kind of snapped and said, bro, I'm not going to walk around the fucking gym looking for you to use the rack. Aggressive. (laughs) Um, Dude didn't know what to say and walked away. Should I have been nice? <laughs> and, <laughs> this one is sewed and, up. <laughs> yeah. Should I have been nice and tried to find the homie? Or was it wrong of him to think uh, of scouring across this gym looking for his lazy ass? Currently writing this email from said squat rack to just wait a couple more minutes, uh, just a couple, waste a couple more minutes of his time. Uh, wow. wow, you were super pissed about this. You wrote an email pissed, which is never a good idea. As somebody who's wrote a few emails pissed off, um, I probably regret half of them, the other half, you know, so I'm still probably going to do it again at some point. So you were mad, but you were, you know, I think you were a little aggressive here, bud. Um, squat <laughs> rack etiquette is very different. It's very weird. You know, different place that I've worked out at traveling, you know, you've got, you've got tripod girl. And she's going into squats, into sumo dead. And it's just like, hey, you know, 20 minutes is a long time. Oh, cool. You're going to do 45 minutes. You're going to fucking take all this footage. You're going to take seven minutes in between sets. Again, I'm talking about this workout in Hawaii. It was fucking brutal. It was just guys looking at each other going, is she seriously doing this? Like if you had a competition coming up, which I don't think you do. 
uh, this is absurd, <laughs> right? But then I had a buddy, I had a buddy in my age group, which I think is funny that I have to like identify that now to be like, so you can understand the processing of, of my older group here where a guy had asked me I, a couple of years ago, he's like, Hey, I was traveling. I was at a hotel and this guy got on the squat rack and he had just started and I tapped him and was like, Hey, do you mind if I get in? And he said, no, you can't. And then he hit me up. He's like, was I wrong? And I was like, yeah, you're totally wrong. Like squatting is just sort of that thing where nobody really wants to share a rack with you, but it'd be nice if everybody kind of kept it to a minute or two in between sets. If you're going heavier, you know, it's definitely gonna be closer to two plus minutes. Um, but you have to understand that. And of course, I explained it to my friend, told him why he was totally wrong, why the response that he got was totally normal. And I guess, guess what he did? He didn't change his mind. He's like, yeah, I still think it's wrong. I'm like, okay, cool. You do not understand any of it. You asked me for my perspective. I told you the right answer and you're still like, no, everybody else is wrong. Cool. Great talk. So, um, I get your point here that this guy, but I I don't think you had to be that hard on him about it because really it's up to the other person that wants the equipment, wants the station. It's his responsibility or her responsibility to monitor it, um, more so than it is your responsibility to make sure one specific person who you don't even know. So it sounds like you were a little aggro with this. I would appreciate if you just clean it up next time. You said. Could I have been nicer? You couldn't have been meaner. Pretty much. I mean, other than you were just like a, a level below punching this guy. So I think you could be nicer about it. Clearly, you were worked up. Maybe it was a double dose of pre-workout. Who knows? Um, hearing this right now, you're probably agreeing with us because you were in that moment. You were intense. Maybe it was a heavy day. Uh, but um, I don't think it was wrong of him to ask about it. But yeah, that's that. I think that is a bit of an ask. You know, I'm not mad the other guy asked. I'm just saying you're not wrong and that that guy at like you're going to be done but by the way when your shit's still on there like you're supposed to leave it up and delay the next person while you go walking around the gym to go find that person like yeah i wouldn't do that either so um i don't know i think everybody's kind of wrong and everybody's kind of right in this one i just think you don't have to be that hard about it yeah i'd say just be nicer to strangers it's gonna your life's gonna go a lot better a lot of you could save a lot of unforeseen stuff from happening just be nicer to strangers than you than you than you're currently doing that's all i'd say yeah, he also br- kind of broke like a rule of like don't fire off emails or texts in the heat of the moment. He he did this like on he's saying he did this from the gym right after it happened, right? Like he's dead. Like, he was doing it in the squat rack <laughs> to make the guy wait longer. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> this guy was really pissed <laughs> it, off. It's it's really just not that big of a deal. I agree with you. You shouldn't have. You didn't have to do that. What would you guys have done though? I mean, would you have just said, "Hey, man, like I don't." That's not really I'm not simple. No, that. like what's I, like I said, I love saying no calmly, nicely. I'm fine with that. You d- Unless it's a Chargers fan. Uh, <laughs> the heat of a win. And I, and I told you I felt disgusting about that. No, here's, here's what you do is you just say, hey, like if you have your routine kind of factored out, you'll be like, all right, 30 seconds of reps, two minutes of rest. I've got three more to go. Hey, I'll probably be done in six to eight minutes. Like yeah. That's what I would do. And it's on that guy. You know, most of us should be keeping track of time, you know. Uh, or say yes and don't and do it. And smoke shows. So no, don't no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't say, do what? Simple no. I let you know. Kyle said say yes and don't do it. You said, I forgot. Just say no. What the fuck? What are you doing, Kyle? What do you mean? Be nice. No, you could be like <laughs> yeah. I forgot. It's not like I don't have to fucking but babysit you, you, pal. You could just be like I forgot. I'm listening to a great podcast right now. Ryan Rosillo, life advice. I don't right. know. Like, no, be ni- that's be nice. nicer to people. Three seconds later, he's like, no, just lie to them. Be there out. Be outwardly nice, and then go about your business. I I think. I mean, I, I guess, like whatever. I like saying stuff and be like, I'll done. In, I'll be done in five minutes and forty seconds. And the guy will be like, Jesus, the Russillo guy's really got it dialed in. Yeah. Like he probably counts his macros, which I don't. All right. 
Uh, <laughs> hey, Kyle, do you want to handle this one? People constantly get really pissed off about the, pod, uh, the podcast timestamps. If you're listening on Apple, I guess it's been a long time. If you're listening on Apple, um, that's not like we're not responsible for that. I can only put one timestamps. Shout out to Spotify. If you click on Spotify timestamps, it's exactly where it's supposed to be. There's ads in between that I can't really do much about. So if you're listening on Spotify, you're you're not saying that. Right. But we're still talking about an inconvenience of like 12 seconds off in either direction, right? It's not like it's minutes. Whatever the whatever the time of the ad is. So it could be two minutes. If you're if you're looking for life advice, oh, if you're looking for life advice, there's gonna be three to four ads before that. So um, you know, if you're on Apple, that's you know, some of the ads are 30 seconds, some of them are a minute and a half. So, you know, you're probably off by three minutes. I'd say just get Spotify. It's free. We used to have to rewind tapes, man, to find the song. And you then you just had to guess at it. So, you know, if the timestamp's off for a little bit, you're probably gonna find it. Probably gonna find it at some point. Um there's also like a 15 and 30 second skip ahead button. It's not that hard to search around. Yeah. Yeah. Down yeah. On Spotify. Okay. Um All right, this one's sort of weird. It's actually not that weird. I don't. Let me. Um, all right, let me do this one instead. Huge fan of the show. Thirty-three year old male, married, toddler, daughter, five ten, two twenty-five, bench three twenty-five, squat four fifteen. Wow. This guy's. This guy will wait all day to get in there, put in that work. I grew up in Georgia and moved to Chicago after college for a job. Is your wife from Chicago? Because you realize that you also have to move to Chicago when your wife's from Chicago. I met my wife in 2015. A lot of my wife's sorority sisters from the University of Illinois ended up moving to Chicago after graduation. So there was always a bunch of people around to hang out with or plan activities. No problems with any of them. Uh, and most of the sorority sisters' boyfriends were decent hangs as well. All right. Great situation. A year ago, we moved out of the city. Uh, the area we were in wasn't great for raising a kid. So we moved out of the city towards our hometown to be a little closer to her family, get a bigger place with a yard. We're an hour closer to her family and out of the city, but we're also an hour away from most of our friends. Our friends have been great and made trips out to visit us every once in a while, but there's still plenty of times we wish we could meet up with someone for dinner, activity, golf, bowling, park, the park. Uh, we've been in our new place for a little over a year and I haven't made a ton of progress in the friend department. How do I make friends or I guess the question is, how do you make friends as an adult? I used to make friends at the gym, but I bought a home gym when we moved last summer. We had the space and I didn't want to worry about gyms closing again for COVID. I felt pretty creepy chatting up parents at the park with my wife. It's even worse when I'm on a solo dad duty and take my daughter to the park. Most of the time, if there are additional people at the park, it'll be a mom and her kids. The moms are always friendly, but we chit chat about the kids and milestones, et cetera. I usually pick up my daughter from daycare after work. And again, most of the other parents picking up are women. Uh, is it acceptable for me to ask for the mom's information and set up play dates and stuff <laughs> like that? <laughs> is that begging for a weird discussion argument for my wife? I'm not trying to turn this into anything nefarious. I just want to make some friends a little closer to us so we can hang out together. Any tips or suggestions to make it less weird or creepy? I like that you're concerned is in the right place here. Um, so I, there's a couple things I think you could do. The first thing would be buy a Camaro, something like that, <laughs> American muscle. And whatever your town setup is, just drive around the town for hours. Just 
lap after lap after lap. Rev the engine at the stoplights, maybe peel out when it's a little <laughs> bit later and just be known as Camaro guy in town. Because if I know one thing about the Midwest, they love American muscle cars and you might get invited to a club. Um, the other thing you could do is when your kid starts playing sports, just walk up to a group of guys and ask them just flat out, hey, does anyone want to be best friends for the rest of our lives? That just cuts right to it. It's efficient. They know where you're coming from. Um, it sounds like you don't want to join the swinger community, but apparently I think that speeds up the getting to know each other process from what I've heard. It's just, it's just diving head for it's like summer classes, three hour sessions, not Tuesdays and Thursdays. You just jumping in three hours a day, five days a week, getting that credit. Uh, I'm kidding. Cause you're asking the absolute worst fucking person in the world how to make friends as an adult. Uh, I, you know, the only thing I can tell you is just start golfing and join a golf club. And I've thought about it on my own. I'm like, Hey, just start golfing again. I used to do it. I belonged to a couple different clubs when I was in Vermont. I was decent enough to play. Wasn't going to embarrass myself and have some nice days and have some shitty ones just like everybody else. Um, but I think as you get older, that's like the best way to do it. The gym, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't have any kids that I can force my way into. There's probably plenty of people I wouldn't want to be friends with that would want to be friends with me, but there might be a group of people that I'd like to be friends with that apparently don't want to be friends with me. So, um, and I work so much, I normally don't care about it, but I've been pretty bad uh, the last couple of years. In Connecticut, it didn't really matter because I was always working and I was going into work all the time. And now I'm literally home all the time. So I am the worst fucking person to ask. So if Kyle or Steve want to take this uh <laughs> I wouldn't listen to any of my advice. <laughs> my, I, we'll save the best for last because Steve actually has to think about this stuff coming up soon. But like, I, it's, my first instinct was going to be like, oh, sit in bars. But I was like, oh, you're a family guy. That's probably not the type of guys you want to meet. Drink more. Most, yeah, most, that's another good one. most <laughs> situations, I would be like, man, go to bars. You'll find a you great friend. You guys like friend. beer? You'll find a great friend. But <laughs> hey, look, if think... you get fucking sideways four days a week, you're going to meet some people. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I think that that's not going to be your case because you want like people with kids or whatever. It sounds like your kids are probably too young to be in public school because that's where all the kids come from. And then you kind of do the play day and you get to meet the parent as, yeah. as they come, you know, like, you're like oh, Timmy's dad, something's off with that guy, you know, you, <laughs> next. But I, I think, yeah, the golf, golf is great. And I mean, I don't know, there's, you're just, it's going to have to be through activities from your kids, right? Cause you kind of want people that ha are in the same situation as you carpools and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's coming, I guess I, I'd say, yeah, just jump in a couple foursomes in a, in a golf golf range and see if you like anybody. I don't know. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds like he's just like a couple years off of of being able to do this in a non-creepy way. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, from everything that I've heard is like, basically, once you have kids, you hang out with your kids' friends. Like, that's that's just, you're going to be at soccer games together. You're going to be doing all this shit together. And it's going to be Your kids' easy. friends? You hang out with five-year-olds? No, like your kids. I'm sorry, your kids' friends' parents. Oh, other parents. I was going to say, I don't yeah, remember you're not, hang, you're not hanging out with younger kids. It's a good call. No. I'm, well, he also didn't really say, like, what? So he wants to go out to dinner. Like, what do you want to do with said people? Like, he I wants to golf, bowl, and go to parks. <laughs> I mean, you could all those places you can go solo and meet people. I mean, I would the whole thing about not, you know, asking for a girl's number who's like not your wife and being like, hey, I just want to be friends. Like, that's probably not a great road to go down. No, um, he's aware of that. And he's right. Because I just there's going to be even if it's from the purest intentions, even when the most of the people totally get where you're coming creepy. from, there's going to be one that tells the husband because she's a lunatic where she's going to be like, 
oh, so-and-so asked me for my number at daycare, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. going to be completely taken the wrong way. And whether or not maybe she's normal, but then tells that story to the husband, and maybe the husband's a lunatic. Now, all of a sudden, you're a fucking weird guy in the eyes of these people that totally didn't understand the sincerity with you just wanting to meet some new people. No, that's what it is. It's, it's, the, it's like the guys only want one thing meme. And like, you're just like, I just want to make friends. And she's like, he wants to have sex with me. So like, you're, you're totally screwed there no matter what. So I would definitely not do that. Or at least don't do it. Like if the other guy, if her husband's around, do it with him. So it's like a little bit less creepy. But once you, as you said to Kyle, go to, I don't know, you could go out to places solo and just like chat people up. It doesn't have to be a bar. Go bowling. Yeah, go to a golf course. Like, I don't know, do some activities that you like. Uh, it doesn't have to just be, you know, I don't know, it doesn't have to be a, necessarily at a bar or like a drinking activity, but just like that's how you meet people. Meet people th of, of things that you like together. I wouldn't bowl solo. Something about that seems weird, but I definitely would golf solo. It. <laughs> yeah, of I feel like it depends on what you look like. Yeah, if you look like the guy from like, uh, what is it? Uh, from Big Lebowski. Yeah, maybe don't look that way. But I feel like, if you, you know, you could be the intriguing solo bowling guy. But then the other thing Jeff? is like, which, uh, no, Steve Buscemi. No, who's the, the, the guy... Like the villain guy. The Jesus. You don't fuck Dark with the Jesus. Dark Jesus. Yeah, like don't look like that guy. But other than that, you'd probably be fine. Maybe you could make a hat like Kyle's hat that says, not here to sleep with your wife, but to bowl with your husband. <laughs> I got a and guy. You wear, that to, you wear that to daycare when you pick up your kid and then you ask her phone number so that way the wife knows where, where your head's at. Great t-shirt, maybe. <laughs> How many of those hats would you have to make for it to be cost effective? Because just one. You'd be like, and I don't know who else would buy it. Uh, should I do another one? Because I can't help this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the worst possible guy to ask him. Making friends is hard, man. Okay, we got one more. We'll just sneak it in here. Uh, newer fan here. Just started listening after PMT last year. All right, thanks. Uh, 25 years old, 6'2", 225. Decent beard, better mustache. Killer legs, according to my wife. Well, I guess deep down, that's all that matters. Um, the problem started when my wife and I bought a house a year ago, just outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We we're PhD students at the university, small place in a typical subdivision. I really have no issues outside of my older next door neighbor who I'll call Dick. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I see what you did there. Clever. Dick is around 60 and has a pretty grating personality. His wife and son are nice, but nearly every time I walk outside, he tries to pull me into some long conversation to give me advice, uh, how long to cut the yard. That I should cut the tree out front. <laughs> yeah, this this stuff. I don't know. I get this it. This guy sucks. Wow, Suri fucking hates him. Yeah, yeah, Dick will occasionally trap me into a conversation asking about work, and God forbid I say I'm stressed. Well, I don't let work do that to me. I deal with it, and don't worry. Man, yep, you're right. Suri was right. Cause, cool, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you asked me a question, I gave you an answer. And like, no matter what, you were going to have the solution to everything all the time. I mean, that's... I'm trying to think of like the perfect example because it's reminding me of a conversation I had with this guy. It was like, no matter what I said, he was just going to kind of tell me that he had the solution for it all the time. And I, that guy sucks. So if this guy's doing this to you all the time, yeah. um, then he stares at me in that weird, superior old guy who thinks he's better than you because he's old way. <laughs> it's gotten to the point that I purposely avoid stepping out of my house when I see his vehicle in the driveway. Yeah, that's yep. a problem. I'm, yeah, I'm there. Um, that's the way. This is this yeah. is you. Yeah, you have a Richard of yeah, your own, well, don't you? 
I mean, he doesn't, he's, he lives by himself. Uh, and I like to the point where like, if I see him outside, I won't go outside. But, and my wife and I always joke, like, as soon as we step outside, like take the dogs out or get the mail, like he's just outside in the yard doing something. It's like, what are you doing? You're always outside. Oh, yes. like, go inside. And then, yes. he'll, and then he'll try to, then he'll try to string me into a conversation about like how, like, Hey, why don't you, do you want to connect the fence in the back? No, I don't want to do that. I, I, I did it this way because this is the way I want it to do. Or like, Hey, your tree clippings are, you know, they're washing up in, in front of my mailbox. And I'm just like complain about all this shit all the time to the point where I literally just don't go outside whenever I see him around. So this is my, my advice would be just to avoid this guy at all costs. Uh, all right. So he continues, but all caps, he did give me his old floor jack he wanted uh, to get rid of and some plants for the front of our garden. So it's not all negative. My wife says he's just an old guy with no friends. Well, maybe we can connect that old guy with the previous email. <laughs> yeah. Pen pals at least. This guy will fucking talk to you all day, bud. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Ask this guy if he's ever been to Naperville. All right. Um, and again, that's not where the email was from. I just like naming random Chicago towns outside of Chicago towns. My wife says he's just an old guy, no friends. Um, he wants someone to tell what to do to mentor, but I honestly don't want or need that shit. Yeah. This guy's a doctor, yeah, man. Come on. We fucking need you. <laughs> Telling you how to <laughs> dig a trench. <laughs> you should tell him somebody died that you were, you know, like, hey, I was working the other day. Oh, I lost somebody. Well, nah, that wouldn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah, don't let it get to you, dude. <laughs> My main question revolves around if you've dealt with the older, annoying neighbor before, have any tips for me to stop worrying every time I walk the doggies outside trying to tell me how to live? I mean, there's always the way you could just really cut it off at the pass here and just say, hey, man, fucking back off. There you go. That usually works. Arkansas, you could insult Trump in front of him. <laughs> Pretty good chance. <laughs> Start putting up weird flags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go outside in Elizabeth Warren t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, but then he might talk to you more and try to convince you why. <laughs> yeah, right. That might That might not work at all uh he was like man that bill clinton he's a fucking rascal huh (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah uh you know you should just start sharing you should make this your entertainment that's what i would do yeah i would make this you would just start telling them that you were you know your phds and aliens and that you, you've been abducted <laughs> and that there's a lot of stuff that people don't know and just be so, I mean, if you have the right personality for this and most people aren't built different and can't really do this. And I'm not even saying that I'm, I'm one of those people, although I'm, I'll notice every now and then I'm doing something for my own entertainment where I'll kind of like do something and go, what did you do? So you're going to buy solo you laughing in the car later because of what you just did here where no one else knows what you just did. I'm like, yeah, I did it. Uh, you could have a lot of fun with this if you were wired the right way, where you're like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to out-miserable this guy. Start showing him new and music. Just, just stuff old guys yeah, just, <laughs> just different, just share the worst theories possible with this guy. You ever heard of Doja Cat, pal? You're going to love this. <laughs> yeah. Although, I, I think Doja Cat's incredibly talented. I could see this I guy. I do too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, to me, she yeah. she checks a lot of boxes. Yeah, for old guys, a I don't lot. know. Give, give him a couple of alien, ancient aliens DVDs, see how he still likes those. No, you just be like, be like, wait, you think we, we controlled world currency, dude? It's the stone cutters. 
right. Uh, that was that was a collection of some of the most useful uh, advice. Uh, no, it wasn't. All right. I think that's it. We good? Yeah, we're good. Sure. I like old right. guys with stories, but I mean, most people don't. Kyle would be like, if this guy, you'd be friends with him. There's a Vietnam vet at my bar yeah. who like loves telling stories. And he was like, every day with the fucking questions, man. And I was like, you're telling stories. I'm asking questions. And we're good friends. Yeah, but, but every this, once in a while, I'd be like, what's with the fucking questions? I love, I love listening to old guys tell stories. But yeah, but know. there's a difference between story guy and tell me how to live my life guy. I agree. I don't, we all need to not tell everyone else how they should live their life. That's, That's just fair. a general rule. Um, so yeah, if this guy's got great war stories, sure, become friends. <laughs> we don't just them, talk about sound war, like, but yeah, right. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like that's what we got going on. Wait, so this guy's mad? He's showing up to a dive bar all the time, and he's mad people are talking to him. No, it Is was more of like a joke. He just has one of those like hard voices where it sounds like he's upset, but of course he's not upset. Like where he sits next to me, he comes down whenever he buys me a drink, whenever we talk, and then I'll be he'll be like saying something. I'll be like, oh, and then what with this? He's like, oh, this guy with the fucking questions. You're like, whatever, man. You're telling me about, you know, napalm and shit. I just want to, I'm wondering about something else. That's all. Like, how, buy, thinking about buying a house. You've owned several houses, whatever. It's like, oh, he's with the questions. I was like, all right, we're well, always with the stories. Love you, Alan. See you soon. I watched First Blood this week. Speaking of Vietnam. What'd you think? Holds up. It's great. It's a great movie. It's kind of a weird thing, though, because you're writing out the script. You have to think of, like, how do I get the audience to be sympathetic to a dude who's just destroying some town in the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> so, you know, Brian Denny, he's the overbearing cop, you know, screwed up at the beginning. Surdy, have you even seen First Blood? No, no. I just such it. No idea. Yeah. Sometimes I hate you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not it was a bad time for guy. everybody, Rambo. <laughs> I haven't seen Rambo either. Stallone has this massive PTSD thing at the very end that like brings it full circle and you like you feel for him. He gives a speech. It's an incredible, it's incredible Stallone. I don't know if they've done that. Have they done uh, that on the rewatchables? Because that's it's hard to say anything's Apex Mountain beyond Rocky, but that that dialogue at the end was Sam Troutman. First blood was with the crossbow, right? With that exploding crossbow. Is that a different uh, Rambo? No, that's that's Rambo. That's the second one. We're just oh, Rambo. Okay. First Blood is the first one, and it's the best one. And it's I think available now on Apple for four ninety nine. So check that one out. Steal, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he's he's kind of taken out these local cops. So you're like, how would the audience? How are they going to feel about this? And yet you're, you know, you're like, I think I'm on the outlaw side here, which is. You know, I guess it's a lot like Westerns, except it was in 1980 and outside of Portland, maybe, or Seattle. I don't know. All right. Uh, that was Talking Movies. Awesome. Please subscribe to the Ryan Russillo Podcast. Thanks to Steve and Kyle. And we'll be back next week with a good, good chunk of college football that we thought we were going to do this week. We'll do it next week. So there you go. 